week's episode is another episode of readings from Groundwaters Publishing's annual anthology from 2020. These are all different kinds of works, as the other two have been. There's fiction, nonfiction, poetry, and prose. I really love so much being able to showcase these authors. I think that's one of the reasons why Groundwaters exists. We really want to showcase people and show that their work is worthy and important. So I'm delighted to present them today. Enjoy. This poem by Michael J. Barker, or Haas as we know him well, is called The Dreamer. An old man told me once that he could see the wind. I never paid him any mind and went about my way. Tonight, as I reflect, I can hear his words again. I wondered why I thought of him and why it was today. But that old man never fooled me because I could see it too. I saw leaves dance in the trees every time it blew. But those words stayed with me and deep inside I knew. Chance encounters come and go. We'd never meet again. Any fool can look at trees. It takes a dreamer to see the wind. This poem is called Rogue Awakening. Hold up in a cabin on the banks of the rogue. I wrote verse and I pondered inside. I was ambling through canyons, rugged and steep, as deep into the wilds I plied. I could feel the stare of someone not there, as wearily onward I trod. Twas adventure I sought, but instead what I got was a glimpse of the wonders of God. Oh, Lord, what a sight in the summer's twilight, watching the bats try to chase down the stars. Those planes are so rude, how dare they intrude? I wish they'd all fly off to Mars. I never would care to bring grief to a bear that never did nothing to me. They rumble and tumble and fumble and stumble in a race to the top of the honey tree. Up high in the skies with a treat for sore eyes like puppets on angel strings. Bald eagles soar above the din and the roar waving it all with their wings. Held captive, I stare through the river's bright glare at the salmon coursing below. The wonders won't cease and offer a peace that only one humbled may know. Through oak groves galore, madrones by the score, through fir stands tall and gray, she's carved canyon walls like cathedral halls through miles of real estate. Further I trekked, yet onward I pressed, crazed for the next mountain's crest. 
Through silver gray snags over mossy back crags, undaunted I harried my quest. Razorback mountains too many for counting leap skyward and stand in defiance. I'm so far from home and I'm also all alone as the solitude shattered the silence. Then once she's got you, she's always got you. She'll lure you, you'll rant and you'll rave. Was this happenstance my river romance? Who knows, but we're kin till the grave. Dottie, the Daffodil by Melinda Ann Bender. I'm looking forward to seeing your splendid faces, a woman said, as she planted spring bulbs in the ground. It was fall, and crunchy maple leaves covered the grass. Dottie, the daffodil, was settling into the soil in her new home. Dottie could hardly wait to stretch and touch sunlight, but she rested. Autumn gave way to bitter winter and hard ground. Tree limbs moaned in the wintry blasts and in the swirling snow. Holidays came. Children collected candy. Families gathered to eat. Dottie grew restless. As February and March winds blew, the ground softened. The sun was a little warmer. Dottie thought she heard worms murmuring. Maybe it was time to stretch just a bit. Then the days warmed. Dottie heard chirping robins. Maybe it was time. She stretched, reaching toward the welcoming sun. Her green arms poked out of the softening ground. Brr, it's still a little cold, Dottie said to herself. So Dottie stopped stretching for a few days. Worms began wriggling in the ground. Robins plucked worms. Dottie wanted to say hello, so she stretched tall and yawned. Finally, she had long green arms stretching toward the sun. Dottie slowly turned her beautiful face upward. Hello, worms. Hello, robins. Hello, world. She looked around her new home and saw many daffodils just like her with green leaves and yellow faces. Yellow faces? Dottie questioned. Her face was white, snow white. Oh well, I'm sure there'll be many more white faces. There are many more daffodils who have not yet opened their faces to the sun, she said to herself. Dottie waited and waited. Day after day, she waited. Soon she was surrounded by yellow daffodils. They're so beautiful, Dottie said, tilting her head downward. Sniffling, she continued, but I am white. They are all yellow. Why am I so different? A kindly robin heard her. Hello, I am Robbie Robin. I'm sorry to hear you so sad. Hello, Robbie. I am Dottie. Look at me. I'm white. Everyone around me is yellow. But you are special, Dottie. Hold your head up, Dottie. Your day will come. Day after day, the other daffodils snickered at Dottie. Why are you white, Dottie? Aren't you supposed to be yellow? Dottie grew sadder. One day, there was a lot of commotion in Dottie's yard. A red and white checkered tablecloth table was set with balloons, cake, and presents. It looked so festive. Dottie smiled. Then she heard a lady say to a man, My little girl loves white daffodils. All I see is yellow, and they are pretty too. The lady moved closer and closer. Look at this beauty! The lady was looking directly at Dottie. This daffodil is gorgeous. I think she's a Mount Hood daffodil. Let's not cut this daffodil. Let's leave her so everyone can see her beauty. And let's leave all of the yellow daffodils too. One white daffodil among yellow daffodils is splendid. And then the little girl ran to her mother. Mommy, mommy, the white daffodil is my friend. 
The yellow daffodil smiled, and Dottie smiled, holding her head high. This poem by Michael J. Barker is called Midnight Journey. Something died across the river last night. I heard it all. It went on for about a minute, though it seemed like a lifetime. In a way, it was. I think it was a rabbit. An owl got it. I heard it screech in victory over the dying cries of the rabbit. Here in the wild, there is no place, provision, or reason for compassion, pity, or mercy. In the wild, death means life. For some to live, some must die. I took in the winter sky, black as coal, without end and clear as a bell, star-filled and the moon full. The river looked like a ribbon of silver flowing through the canyon. I savored it. I recall the college feller once telling me that the stars outnumbered all the souls of earth, past and present. A shooting star streaked across the sky and I became overwhelmed by strange thoughts I had no control over. I succumbed with little resistance as I saw gigantic black icebergs calving and melting in the desert. I watched a flotilla of ocean liners, super tankers, and warships in a dead heat race with Spanish galleons, log rafts, dugout canoes, and reed boats on the high seas atop an arid plain. I saw airliners, space shuttles, biplanes, flying saucers, a kite, soaring birds, and a feather, all flying together in the missing man formation. I saw 18-wheelers and sports cars coursing over shiny paved roads, mile-long trains on golden rails, covered wagons on the rutted plains, and four-legged animals on well-used game trails that had no beginning or end. I saw lush mountain meadows bathed in, bathed in wildflowers dissected by swift-flowing artesian streams, all surrounded by mighty old-growth forests, reduced to barren clear-cuts, teeming with life. Jagged stumps served as a reminder of what, was, what once was, while at the same time offering a hint of hope and humble acceptance of the cycle of life and the promise of death. I saw skyscrapers, mansions of granite glass, and steel zoned in with log cabins, grass huts, and igloos, all inside a huge cave on the sacred burial grounds of someone's ancestors. Humanity paraded by in all its glory and gore. There were kings and queens, presidents, dictators, tyrants, and wannabes ruling over the obedient masses bereft of hopes and dreams with revolt seething in and feeding their souls. The scholars, philosophers, teachers, poets, and beautiful people, the marred and afflicted were all buried side by side in simple, overgrown, unkempt woodland plots with no markers, all forgotten. I saw law and order, racism, caste, 
segregation, immigration, civil dissent, and protest begat riots, which begat war before anyone could think of an alternative to mutually assured destruction. Then it was all over in an instant, as fast as it came on, as that shooting star faded into the black of that rogue river sky, a done deal. It was mid-January, temperature in the low 20s, and yet I was drenched in a cold sweat that ran from my hot, flushed face onto the handrails of the deck and slowly turned to frozen slush. I trembled from uncertainty and fear, not the cold and nearly scared to death of the origin of these uninvited intrusions into my thoughts. I wasn't long in determining that my time would be better spent on things I could comprehend and deal with like banking on the wood stove to ward off the chill of the morn, getting the coffee ready and stringing up the 12-volt wire to keep the bears out of the storeroom and lodge. I can't have that. I'm in the wilderness, no roads in or out, and the river won't be safe to be on for at least another week. I've felt alone before, but never like this. Winters in the Rogue River Canyon were meant to be hard, and they sure as hell are, and I'll crave it to my grave. This is Dimitri Leontis, and this piece is called An Unbroken Span of Time. First, there was the Great Depression. Then there was the Great Recession. And now we're in the middle of the great confinement. There are many reasons to hate the dreaded COVID-19 virus, but is it just possible it might have at least one positive byproduct? To be sure, one cannot mitigate the horror of the unbidden deaths, the risks to health workers, the collapse of businesses, and the lockdown of practically the entire planet in an attempt to stem the virus's deadly march. That is certainly the dark side of the coin of fate we've been tossed. Turning over the coin, however, might we discover a shiny side? For as long as I can remember, I have heard my elders caution me, time is a gift, use it wisely. Well, as one of the possible solutions to stopping COVID-19's spread, we find ourselves in the Great Confinement. With generous portions of that commodity, we've always wished we had more of. Time. Not only lots of time, but an unbroken span of it. Stretching from when our personal lockdown began to... Who knows when this will end? So, yes, this might be considered a shiny side of the coin, this gift of unending time on our hands. We could say that we've traded our constitutional right of free movement for the right to spend our days as we like. No deadlines, no schedules, no pressure. Just adjust to this newfound abundance and use it, wisely or not, any way you like. Now, <laughs> there's a gift. And now the other shoe drops. Like some gifts, there's a catch. Just what the hell do you do with all this time? For many who have families to feed, homeschool, 
and put kids to bed, this isn't an issue. But how about young singles, active middle-aged couples, all those whose focus was on work schedules, business meetings, lunch dates, socializing daily with friends? How do they shift gears? Already months in confinement mode, many of us have figured out ways to parse out our days. We shop online, stock the fridge and freezer, pick up meals from neighborhood restaurants, spend more time emailing, calling family and friends, read more, and so on. Many pencil in an exercise program, perhaps to balance the increased hours spent watching computer and TV screens. (laughs) Otherwise, the guilt and weight gain might be unbearable. And Netflix, while not heaven sent, is certainly a welcome nightly guest in an astounding number of homes across the country. One of the unexpected aspects of our confinement is that we have, in addition to all the time fillers, time to be alone, to be quiet, introspective, to meditate, and reach into realities other than ourselves. A friend recently told me, as we were social distance walking in Amazon Park, that he felt like he'd been reintroduced to an old friend, himself, and that was deeply gratifying. In our pre-confinement lives, we rarely had enough time to accomplish all the things we wanted to in a single day, much less have time alone. Here, singles have the edge, perhaps to even up for the lack of having an ever-present someone to bounce things off in a quotidian conversation. A recent piece by Washington Post columnist Michael Gerson put forth the idea of, quote, mindfulness, unquote, as a reward for having lost other freedoms while in confinement. He stated that achieving mindfulness can help focus us more clearly on what's truly important in our lives, which things matter and which don't. And this can be had easily enough by taking time to be alone, clearing one's mind and stopping the buzz of our usual thoughts. Challenging for some, but doable and worth it. Another gift, another view of this gift of time was expressed by local artist Margaret Coe, who wrote in a recent Register Guard column by arts advocate Catherine Caprario, I regard the seclusion as a sweet hibernation. Quote, I regard the seclusion as a sweet hibernation. It is a quiet, restful, alert experience. Unquote. Thoughts that can lead us to viewing our mandated seclusion in a positive, even useful light toward more self-discovery and inner peace. Meanwhile, back at my ranch, I still haven't started, much less completed, the great Greek Oregonian novel on my to-do list. My wife, who continues to amaze me with her talents, has her own list of hubby-friendly projects that need doing. And all the while, I'm still searching for this surfeit of time to practice mindfulness, slip in a little meditation, and sit still long enough for introspection to alight.
No one said that confinement would be easy, only that we'd have time to do more. I can still heal the air. I can still hear the echo of my elders, so I'm trying to use my time more wisely. And I gently suggest that you too do, as this gift of time has a timeline. Okay, this poem is called Fish On. I waited and hiked, I prayed and I wished. All the day long, I fished and I fished. The weather was foul, the rain lashed down. I lost count of the worms I'd drowned. I felt some despair, it was just wasn't fair. All of my efforts, it seemed, were in vain. Depression set in and ill blew the wind incessantly came down torrents of rain. But alas, I accepted that I would be skunked. My shins were bruised. I'd been battered and dunked. I acknowledged defeat with defiant chagrin. Another fine fix I'd got myself in. Short grew the day. What more could I say? Soon I would have to pack up and leave. My race had been run and the dragon had won. Going home fishless was hard to believe. I said to myself, just one more cast. This final try would be my last. With a mighty whip, I let fly my bait, resigning myself to deal with fate. Then came the crash and a silvery flash. My reel was smoking and singing like mad. The fierceness he wrought, my God, how he fought. He brought to the fray all that he had. He ran upstream in that cold wind and rain. It was give and take, lose and then gain. Spirit undaunted, he fought without fear. In the fight for his life, battled my gear. On the fight raged like a mad lion cage. This warrior displayed his courage and grit. He ran and then lunged. He surfaced then plunged. He fought with fervor and uncanny wit. I thought to myself, when will he tire? And on he fought with a wanton desire. My body was aching, burning and strained. On we battled as it blew and rained. At long last he wavered. Sweet victory I savored. The tide of battle had finally turned. As he gave up ground, I felt my heart pound. The water beneath me boiled and churned. Finally, he surfaced, then rolled over and quit. I beached and unhooked him as he gasped and spit. I'd lost track of time throughout our long fight. Although I had won, would to kill him be right? It didn't take long to feel death would be wrong. A feeling of guilt festered in me. With a tear in my eye, I bade him goodbye, watching him swim away wild and free. All Icing, No Cake by Lona Feldman. All icing, no cake, to most people, means all fluff, no substance. But all icing is what I look for. All icing means less cake. 
Cake is just a vehicle for luscious frosting, the kind you get in an upscale wedding. So when someone says, all icing, no cake, I conjure up all sorts of dreamy delights. No cake? No problem. I wanted to send a quick note to anyone who is interested in having their story featured on the show. I am accepting new stories, so please share your story at www.youareresilient.net. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T dot net. You can contact me there. Also, as always, questions, concerns, or any kind of feedback from me can be sent there as well. Sometimes we have to start over. Sometimes we have to fight back. Sometimes it's all too much. Lost inside the black. Sometimes we need to lift the voices